We need to operate as more militarily, if you will, and operate with yes, sir. It, you know, this, things are, uh, the, the, we understand the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. <laughs> Is that right? So we need to be those people of, of authority and under authority. Amen? What we're going to do now is minister to the Lord with our giving. And I'm going to take the word honor for just a moment. Honor. Um, It's interesting in our day, you cannot go to an educational institution and learn about honor. What most of our students are learning today is dishonor. The entire, um, the entire uh, movement back in the 60s that, that heralded the movement of question authority, question everything, and you have to prove yourself to me. And even when authorities try to prove themselves, it's never good enough. It always comes into question and nothing is respected. The seed of that happened in the 60s. And what it has done, it has cultivated and spurned a, uh, a culture of dishonor. But in the house of God and in the family of God, we learn how to honor. We honor the Lord, first and foremost. In Malachi chapter 3, you don't have to turn there. He says, where's my honor? If I am your father and I'm the Holy One of Israel, where's my honor? How, are, how is it that you're honoring? Where is it? And you know, today, uh, gosh, I don't have time to get into this, but there's such an absence of honor. Kids don't know how to honor their parents. Parents don't know how to honor the office they stand in. A lot of politicians don't know how to honor the office that they stand in. But in the household of faith, it is a household of honor. The Lord said, those that honor me will I honor, and those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed or shall come to disgrace. So what we do when we bring our offering to the Lord, and by the way, we do want to honor honor our veterans. Thank you. Thank you for risking your life, laying your life down for the rest of us. Thank you taking chunks of your life, and in some cases, people that suffered injuries. These, it wasn't convenient. They wake up with pain every day. Now, I believe for healing of our veterans, but there's some that wake up every day with pain, or they're, they're missing that arm, or their face is shrapnel. You understand what I'm saying? We need to honor them, and we do today. Thank you, Pastor Nancy, for sharing that. I want you to release your faith with me today. I have lots of material, but the idea here isn't to cover lots of material. The idea is to get you where you are, to get God to speak to you so that your life can be different, so that we can grow up and be more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for utterance today. Help us, help those of us, help me, (laughs) give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in Jesus' name. Amen. My message today is God wants you happy, healthy, and uh, holy. So the clearing of the throat is a part of the title, only because it seems that in churches today, we want to hear all about the candy and about the popcorn, but we don't really want to hear about the spinach.
So, let's repeat that title today. God wants you happy, healthy, and <clears throat> holy. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 7 through 10. This is in the Message Bible, and I'm going to go ahead and move along since I have these in front of me. I so appreciate our, our team upstairs in the media center. They do such a wonderful job. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. I was no sooner said than done, a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, what was his response? Leave. I'm a sinner and can't handle this holiness. You ever seen that before? He says, I'm a sinner and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. And when they pulled in that catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. So friends, everyone was feeling the same way. When you have a manifestation of the holiness of God, holiness of God, that's what they experienced. They all felt overwhelmed. They all felt inadequate. They all were stunned that how could this be? Like, how could we in our, in our within hand's reach, within sight and sound, be exposed to such holiness? And I want you to notice, this is just one of the manifestations of the holiness. It was this amazing amount of provision. Many people are out chasing the dollar and trying to work their way up a corporate ladder. But what you really should be doing is following after holiness. When you are operating in a spirit of holiness, it is amazing the doors that will fly open to you. The fish will jump into the boat for you. <laughs> instead, like Ricky shared so wonderfully last week, instead of, in the second service anyway, instead of toiling so much, you just rest in Him knowing that there's an anointing on you. And what God is interested in today, He's interested in a holy people, a royal priesthood. A holy nation that should show forth the praises of God. That aren't doing life by the sweat of their brow. But by the holy power of God that flows through them. Things just happen right. How many of you had things on your list day by day. And it seemed like you had to slug your way through everything. Just fought you. The computer fought you. The car wouldn't start. The washing machine wouldn't work right. The kids were acting up. The dog ran out. Everything was fighting you. Hmm? <laughs> Doing life the hard way. God, trust me, when, you, when God wants you holy, 
He's trying to help us so that we don't do life the hard way. So Peter said, I can't handle this holiness. He was right. Peter cannot handle this holiness in himself. You can't come to Jesus as a businessman and think that you have somehow situated yourself in such a way that you can operate in kingdom power because you earn a certain privilege. It doesn't work that way. Everyone in the Bible that experienced the holiness of God was stunned. Isaiah says, woe is me. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. He was overwhelmed. In Revelation, John saw these angels flying. They did a triple holy. And when you say holy, 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 in the Jewish language, what that means is it is a, manner, is a way to bring emphasis to the concept or the word. The same way that in English we say far, far away and long, long ago. Yeah. Like they said in Star Wars. <laughs> That just adds emphasis. So listen, just the Spirit of God, just two places in the Bible where you use the triple holies, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And the idea here is to make such impact, he didn't want either Isaiah or John to be taken up with the Spirit splendor and the spectacular and the gadgets, if you will, the lights and the, and, the, and the flashes, because it's easy to do that. How many you know sometimes the carnal man will focus on the wrong thing? So instead of saying mighty, 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 or instead of saying, you know, omnipotent, 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 or omniscient, 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 he said holy. They said these, these angels that covered themselves, which is to say... Holy is important. Get it. Holy is important. Now, in our journey today, I hope I, I hope I can get far in this, and if not, we're just going to go as far as the Lord can help us. Amen? In our journey, in, in our highway to holiness, we see in Hebrews chapter 12 a very significant thing, and I so, so love how Reverend Ricky touched on these things, but notice what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 16. Pursue peace with all people and what? Holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and thereby many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane, say profane, person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Listen carefully. The word we're going to focus on for a few minutes is the word profane. We need to discern the difference between the sacred and the profane. If you're going to get anywhere in the holiness of God and operate in that kingdom state of holiness, we need to understand and discern between the two. The profane person like Esau, who for one morsel sold his birthright, is an example of something that is unholy. 
But is it, do we really know what that means? I touched on this Wednesday night. I can only do so much today. You're going to need to listen to the, to the uh, dissertation between the sacred and the profane. But nevertheless, though the definition of profane is to treat something sacred irreverently, with abuse, contempt, unworthily, like to consider it common. So what's, what does it say in the book of Hebrews 12 verse 16 in the Amplified Bible? It says, see that no one may become guilty of sexual vice or become profane. And notice what the Amplified Bible says. Godless and sacrilegious. Don't, don't worry, it's going to get happier than this. <laughs> don't everybody get too serious. Godless and sacrilegious person as Esau did who sold his birthright for a single meal. So let's look at what sacrilege means. Acting or speaking very disrespectfully toward what is held to be sacred. How, how, how does that help me, Pastor Tom? Well, what's sacred? I mean, is anything sacred? If anything, our culture is confused about what sacred is. It seems that nothing is sacred. We used to have respect for the elderly. When someone was swearing and using foul language in front of a child, we said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. There's children here. Wait. Don't. Don't. There's children here. Have some respect. When someone would be flirting with somebody else's wife and they said, wait a minute, she's married. Stop it. There was so, oh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know. You see, there used to be some respect. Is that right? There used to be respect. For the principal, for the mayor, for the pastor, for the teacher. Those of you that, God bless you, that work in classrooms today, you are reaping the horrible effect. And I know, I see educators throughout the room. You are reaping the horrible, wretched effect of the seed of rebellion that was sown in the 60s where authority was, was brought so low and now we, that, that we, don't, that we don't have respect or understand respect for anything. Anyhow, whether or not your society, the people around you, the job, culture, respects what should be respected is not the point. We are not here for a popularity contest. God is the one who defines what is sacred. And what is it that is sacred? What is sacred? It is something that is not to be violated, criticized, or tampered with. When it is declared holy and worthy of respect, you don't play with it. You don't question it. It's mighty quiet in this first church. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, whenever we're dealing with sacred things, God is the one who makes things sacred. Relating to or being of God. Cinnamon, some synonyms of sacred are hallowed. I want you to notice something. Jesus, when he was asked, teach us to pray, said, Okay, come on boys, I'll show you. 
Our Father which art in heaven. First they are addressing who it is. The first thing out of his mouth was hallowed. Sacred to be respected and with reverence. Used to be that churches were sacred. You know, it's interesting when we talk about the word holy, we are, we, we're surrounded with the word all over the place, right? You, you come to church and you hear that God is the Holy One of Israel. You hear that Jesus was the, stretch out your hand and do, he, to heal by the hands of your holy child, Jesus. So Jesus is holy, right? But then, you know, how shall these things, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is holy. Is that right? Well, these things were foretold by the prophets of old, holy prophets of old. You hold in your hand, or we're studying, the Holy Bible. We are a holy priesthood. We're standing on holy ground. Is that right? You have a holy calling. The marriage bed is to be holy. And uh, see, do you see how we're surrounded with that word holy? Yes. Do you suppose it, it, it would be worth our time just for a few minutes to touch on what that means and to operate in it? And remember, go back to Peter. He said, depart from me. I can't handle this holiness. God wants to bring you to a place where you can handle this holiness, where you're operating in it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So I think, I think I've gone as far as I can about the, the attitudes of the profane. So what you have is the example of a profane person, a disrespectful person, is the example of, of Esau. Esau despised his birthright. Now I'm going to show, share something with you. What does despise mean? To look down on with contempt, to regard as negligible, worthless, distasteful, to be dismissive about it, to forget it, to overlook in the book of Hebrews, when he's talking about this, how, how disrespectful Esau was toward this. You go back to the book of Genesis in 25. He, he was telling his dad, he said, Jacob tricked me out of my birthright. That's not true. Theologians agree. He did not trick Jacob did not trick Esau. Esau devalued the birthright and he sold it fair and square. One person made the point that, you know how wealthy Isaac was? Do you realize how wealthy he was? Are you telling me? I mean, they have... Thousands, tens of thousands of camels and tens of thousands of goats and this and that. And you know that they have this huge commune, everybody with me. You have a staff of cooks. You don't just have somebody that come in and clean once a week. You have a staff of chefs. You have people that go out and get the water for you. Are you really going to think that Esau would be hungry and would come in? to that place and say, I'm going to die and there's no other food anywhere? Do you really think that he had... Somebody might say he was about to die, he had no options. Really? Let's put it in modern day. 
Let's say your daddy owns Chick-fil-A, your daddy owns Popeye's chicken, your daddy owns uh, Black Angus, he owns, uh, give me some other ones. <laughs> he owns all of them, in and out. <laughs> your daddy owns all these franchises, your daddy is filthy rich, right? And you're telling me that you can only get one meal by this one dude? Come on, friends. He... He didn't understand the value of it. Or rather, I should say, he chose to devalue it. Now, there are some things I need you to know about what the birthright was. The birthright consisted of special privileges that belonged to the firstborn male child of the family. Prominent among those privileges was a double portion of the estate as an inheritance. If a man had two sons, his estate would be divided into three portions. The older son would receive two, and if there were three sons, the estate would be divided into four portions. The oldest son would receive two, and then the oldest son also normally received the father's major blessing. And let me just say about that, that the leadership or the heads or the patriarchship of the family... Like, first you have the pocketbook of the family, and then you are conferred with the authority in the family. Like, dad dies, okay, now who, I mean, what do we all say when, when one generation goes like, wow, I guess, I guess you're the head of the family now. I mean, it's more than just you got an increased pocketbook, you have increased privileges and authority. Amen. Amen. This is something that, uh, Basically, Esau gave up. Now, I can't... Uh, gosh, there are so many commentaries on this. I have Matthew Poole's commentary that said, when he said, he took away my birthright, that was false. Jacob did not take it deceitfully, but Esau sold it. And then we go on to the pulpit commentary that say, agree, so many things that... Um, you may say, what's the difference between the birthright and the blessing? Well, it could become a little bit muddy there, but let's just put it this way. They're tied together. The, uh, the birthright is the funding, and the, as far as I can understand it, the birthright is the funding, and the blessing is the, is the uh, conference of the authority and the headship of the family. You can't very well operate as the head of the family and the patriarch in direct business if you don't have any money. You understand, they kind of went together. So, let's move on. Here's the thought. You cannot be a profane person unless you had something. Let me, let me explain that. What, what I mean by that. You have to have something in your possession, something valuable, and you have to disrespect it like Esau did. Right. It said in the voice that, uh, that Esau ate until he was full and satisfied, and then he got up, wiped his mouth, got up, and he, and he walked away as if nothing had happened. Think about that. He walked away as if nothing had happened. I wish I had that readily available. But that was, that was, the, uh, that was the voice so, let's move on to this. God has given you, Christian, so many valuable deposits in the kingdom of God. You have a covenant. You've got the blood. 
you've got the name, you've got authority, you have a heavenly calling. You may say, well, I don't know that I have anything. What difference does it make if I come to church or not? What difference does it make if I try? I mean, I'm just another Joe Schmo. You're not, sorry, Joe. You're not just another Joe Schmo. (laughs) You are a child of God that something has been conferred upon you and it's holy. It's a birthright. There are privileges with it. There's authority with it. Just think about that for a second. So people that are very glib, they go, oh yeah, I got those notes already. You know, really? The ability to take authority and pray, you know how huge that is? Wow. How much time do I have? I mean, give me 10 minutes. <laughs> what, does, what does holy mean to us today? I can only go so much because I've got a, the clock running, but uh, it's interesting. The primary meaning of the word holy is separate. Separate. And let me just say, this means the one that's holy is uniquely holy with no rivals or competition. When, when the Bible calls God holy, it means that primarily God is transcendently separate. He's so far above and beyond that he seems almost totally foreign. I mean, he's so outstandingly far and above anything and everything. There is no God like you, they said. You know, there is no one holy like the Lord in Exodus fifteen eleven, like the Lord in you. There's no one beside you, nor there is any rock like our God. There's no, not even a slight comparison. When Jesus rose and won victory, it wasn't a tie game. They didn't go into 19 Indians and take the bat boy to throw the last and exhausted all of their players and then let's send out the bat boy. Maybe he'll lob a few strikes and we can almost get this game. Oh, go! somebody bunted and barely got the run in so we could win. That's not how this victory was won. It was a slaughter. You belong to a family of champions. The likes of which Satan and all the fallen angels are no match whatsoever. Particularly when you are operating in holiness. Now, let me just say that holiness, besides being set apart or distinct from everything else, it also comes with it with a condemnation, as you may have surmised, to be morally pure. There are very few pure things in the world today. The very shirt you're wearing probably has a little bit of polyester or a little bit of rayon, ladies, or a little bit of... <laughs> the, uh, I, I mean, to, for, for you to have a hundred percent anything is very rare in our days anymore. Very rare. So much so that we have grown accustomed to things that are mixed. 
But you see, in God, He is the real deal. When you get real holiness, the fish jump in the boat. When you get real holiness, the seas part. When you have real holiness, the demons tremble. Even the demons, they they feared Jesus when He came on the scene and He says, What have you come, thou holy one? Don't... Have you come to torment us? The holiness operating through your life will absolutely torment the enemy. Don't tell me that you've got nightmares at night. Don't tell me you're scared of the dark. When you've got the spirit of holiness on the inside of you. I just want to clarify that holiness includes purity. In other words, purity is a part of holiness, but it is not the sum total of holiness. That's why we're not here doing clothesline preaching. Ladies, don't wear pants. Guys, you know, whatever. Uh, don't wear earrings and, 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 and no makeup, ladies, and you can't cut your hair. And guys, don't. we don't preach a doctrine of do's and don'ts. Purity is of the heart. And when you're operating in that pure Holy Spirit, in in the spirit of holiness, people can see that. Hallelujah. That will open doors that no man can shut. (laughs) So, just, just a thought. We face a dilemma when we describe God by compiling a list of qualities or characteristics that we call attributes. We say that God is a spirit, He knows everything, He's loving, He's just, He's merciful, gracious, and so on. The tendency is to add the idea of holy to this long list of wonderful attributes. Are you listening? As one one attribute among many. But... When the word holy is applied to God, it does not signify one single attribute. On the contrary, God is called holy in a general sense, but the word is used as a synonym for His deity. That is, the word holy calls attention to all that God is. It reminds us that His love is holy love. His justice is holy justice. His mercy is holy mercy. His knowledge is holy knowledge. His spirit is holy spirit. His people are holy people. His children are holy children. His calling is a holy calling. His temple is a holy temple. His city is a holy city. And just for a thought, the word is used in the New King James Version. Joy is used 165 times in the King James Version. Faith appears in the King James... All of these are in the King James Version. Faith appears 247 times. Love appears 310 times. Pray appears 313 times. Peace appears 429 times. Holy appears 671 times. The first time holy appears in the Bible is Exodus 3, 5 when God instructs Moses to remove the shoes off his feet because the very ground that he was standing on was holy. 
I submit to you, we're not into gimmicks around here. A place becomes holy because God is there and His presence is there. And He makes the place holy. The reason why you are holy or called to be holy is because God put His mark on you and His Holy Spirit is in you and on you. And because you meditate on His holy thoughts. And we sit together like this and we worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Anybody getting something today? It's also interesting that God never describes Himself as holy until He has delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. And when they are camped at the foot of Mount Sinai for a month of instruction on how they are to live as His holy people... God says, for the first time, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Did you catch that? He didn't require of them to be holy until after he taught them. Now here we have the principle of how important we cleanse ourselves by the washing of water by the word. The We come to church and receiving the word, it cleanses us and it makes us more like him. Or really, can I just say we are perfecting holiness in the reverence of God. We're a peculiar people. If you're operating the way God wants you to operate, and I believe at Heart of the Bay, among many places in the earth today, God is operating this way. He's bringing people into a position of reverence. For the things of God. So where were we? So the holiness, he demonstrated actually how he states in Leviticus. God, now watch this. God has just ordained Aaron and his four sons and the turbans on their heads bear the title holy unto the Lord. It's very interesting. Holy, say holy's everywhere. Now watch this. It's a sobering thought that the final distinction recorded in Scripture in the judgment at the end of human history will be whether one is holy or not. Just a thought. Revelations twenty-two eleven in the Living Bible says, uh, the, says this, And when that time comes, all doing wrong will do it more and more. The vile will become more vile. The good, good men will be better... Those who are holy will continue on in greater holiness. Do you grow in holiness? You absolutely do. But we, as with unveiled face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we're transformed or we're changed from one degree of glory. Can I say holiness? One degree to the other. We're changed to higher degrees. And the closer you are to the Holy One of Israel, amen, the better. I said, the closer you are to Him, the better. Life will get easier for you. So, it means sacred, set apart from the profane, for God. And let's see if I can move on. I just have a few minutes. Thank you, Jesus. You getting something so far? I really like this. When uh, I want to read something to you to see how significant it is when you come to church. You sit under the word or you take time to pray. You take time to fellowship with God or worship him. I want you to notice how the, this is the Old Testament, how they described some of the utensils in the temple. And we have even a better covenant than this. But listen to this. This was wonderful. Exodus 29, verse 35 through 37. Are you here? 
Notice what it says. Do everything for the ordination of Aaron and his sons exactly as I have commanded you throughout the seven days. Offer a bull as an absolution offering for atonement each day. Offer it on the altar and you will make atonement for it. Anoint and consecrate it. Make atonement for the altar and consecrate it for seven days. Now notice this phrase with me. The altar will become what? Soaked. The altar will become soaked in holiness. Anyone who so much as touches the altar will become holy. I like that. Soaked. Soaked in holiness. And notice how the, notice how the altar got that way. By doing sacrifices for seven days. A continual sacrifice. And there was blood being shed. Does that remind you of Christ and anybody in the room? To the blood of the everlasting Lamb, hallelujah, coming and being applied. And then the altar is holy. And it says, it's not just holy, it's soaked with holiness. The spirit of holiness. Anybody getting this so far? Look at this, Exodus 30, verse 25 through 29. I like this too. This is also in the message. God spoke to Moses, take the best spices, 12 and a half pounds of liquid myrrh and half as much, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cane, 12 and a half pounds, you get the idea, using the standard sanctuary weight for all of them, the gallon of olive oil. Make these into a, somebody say holy, Holy anointing oil, a perfumer's skillful blend, and use it to do what? Anoint the tent of meeting, the chest of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand, the utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of, 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 of whole burnt offerings, and all its utensils, the wash basin and its base. What does it say? Consecrate them so they will be what? S- say it? Soaked. Soaked. In holiness, so that, watch this, so that anyone who so much as touches them will become holy. Wow, that sounds like an epidemic of holiness. Can you imagine God's people just walking through the city with such holiness, the Spirit of God so strong on them? I just get excited about thinking the saints at Heart of the Bay Christian Center. Hallelujah. Walking through life, separated, dedicated unto God. Soaked in a spirit of holiness. Look at it. I'm just going to close with this and then I'll let you go. Ephesians 5, 17 through 19. Be, I like to put it this way. Be soaked with the Spirit. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is his excess, but be filled and soaked with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing melody, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Of course, he's speaking of Jesus. But did you notice the oil is there? And did you notice it made him happy? My title today is, God wants you happy, healthy, and holy. Are you listening to me? Do you suppose that the one that loved righteousness, if you love, love, love righteousness... 
Do you suppose that God will pour that oil on you and you'll be full of joy? And if you're full of joy, you're full of energy. Hallelujah. You're full of virtue. That's how Jesus was. He anointed him with the oil of joy. One more, another scripture in this line, then a few more and I close. First Samuel chapter 16, 12 through 13. So Samuel anointed David. I want you to notice this. Friends, you have an opportunity to be anointed with fresh oil every day. So he sent and brought him in. This is Samuel, uh, brought in David to be anointed king. And he was ruddy with bright eyes, good looking. That's not bad, hallelujah. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Now I've got a word for you, friends. Don't look for somebody else. It's you that God wants. You are the one. He said to the prophet, Arise, anoint him. He's the one. Well, I want you to know, you, friend, you are the one God has his eye on. You are the one he wants to pour his anointing on. In closing, I want to say that some of you may have had this phrase, I had a calling. God had a call on my life. I failed my calling. I blew it, Pastor Tom. I let God down. Come on, in one way or another, haven't we all let God down? Haven't we let ourselves down in one area or another? Haven't we let our family down in one way or another? Haven't we left, let our wife down or our kids down in one way or another? Have we let our church down in one way or another? But I want you to know, today is a day where God wants to work restoration to where you pick up, Amen. pick up your holy calling. Pick it up. Listen to this. We started today reading about Peter that said, depart from me, I can't handle this holiness. And now we're going to pick it up in Matthew 26, 69 through 75. This is very interesting. Here is a man that had a calling on his life. And he blew it. He denied Jesus how many times? Three times. I would say he considered himself to have been an absolute failure. Notice what it says. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and the servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus, but he denied them before all. And you already know the story. I do not know what you're saying. In verse 71, it says, and when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, in 72, he denied with an oath. I don't know the man. 73 later, Rose stood by, came to Peter. Surely you are one of them. Your speech betrays you. And he went so far as to begin to curse and swear. I don't care how bad you have acted out. The hand of the Lord is upon you, Christian. Son, daughter. Receive the hand of the Lord on you. Of course, the rooster crowed, but let's go to John 21. This is where Peter has restored God's talking to you. I want you to pick this up. I don't want you to leave this. I want you to pick up your calling. I want you to become more like me. I want you to do what I told you to do. John 21 in the New Living Translation. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Tom, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, and the sons. Where am I? John 21, verse 1. Sorry. Verse 2. So a bunch of these guys. Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Verse 3. 
Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. So please understand what, ha- what is happening here is Peter used to be a secular fisherman until he came into contact with Jesus. Then he had all this time with Jesus and Jesus said, but thou art, you're Peter, but, I'm gonna, but upon this rock of revelation knowledge, I will build my church. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not, you know that, reveal this to you but my father which is in heaven so he had a calling he had he had all this stuff on him and and so he went from being outside of knowledge to becoming in knowledge now he has an opportunity to be profane you cannot be profane you cannot profane the things of god unless you had them to begin with so here he's in a position he's in a dilemma really he says i'm going fishing so he's going back And now it's not just a secular position, it's a profane position. Because it's not where God called him to be. Are you listening? We'll come too. Oh, great. He's profaning everybody. (laughs) So they all said, so they all went out into the boat and they went back to their secular or really their profane business. And they, what did they catch? What did they catch? What will you catch running from God and running from your calling? nothing I'm sorry to break the news to you today family but you have a holy calling and you're not going to get away with it running away from God like that you're not going to get away with letting it drop because he has branded you with his Holy Spirit At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the other side. Sound familiar? The right-hand side. And you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. Sound familiar? I said, Does it sound familiar? Then the disciple Jesus loved, that would be John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed for shore. The other stayed on the boat and pulled in the load, uh, loaded net to the shore. And there they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over the coal, hallelujah, charcoal fire, and some bread. And he said, bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon went aboard and dragged the net to shore. And there were 153 large fish, and yet the net didn't, what? Break. Break. It hadn't torn. It says, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask who he was. Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Hey, hello. You know it's him talking to you right now. You don't have to wonder. I wonder if that's the Lord speaking to me. It's Him. He's talking to you now. Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And it was the third time Jesus appeared to His disciples. So for verse 15, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And you know the story. In 16, he says he repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. 
Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? By now, Peter got his feelings hurt. It says Peter was hurt. Don't get your feelings hurt. He was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Essentially what he was saying then, pick up your calling and do what you were born to do. Do what I called you to do. Hallelujah. I like what Billy Brem says about this, that... Peter had to get him to confess three times that he loved God more than going back to fishing. <laughs> he had to love God more than the fishing in order to undo the three times that he denied him. Are you listening to me? So Christian, I'm about to close. This is a, I don't know if this is a simple message. I don't know if it's complicated. I really don't know. But it's got to hit home for you that you have a holy calling. And that you have not a suggestion, but you have a commandment from Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1 in the New International Version. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God, will you let me pray for you? Will you let me pray for you? Holy Father, we come to you in the name of your holy child, your son, Jesus. And I thank you for this people. You have called them to be a holy people. Set apart for you, not shared. And whereas some things may be okay for other people because they're operating in something secular that's not intrinsically evil. These people are called to a holy purpose. They're sanctified to be carriers of your glory. I pray, Father, that you would show us all individually and corporately what it is it that we are called to do and will be faithful to the heavenly calling as Paul was. We thank you, Jesus. We acknowledge you as the Lord of our lives right now. And whatever it means, Lord, whatever it means, whatever purging needs to happen, I pray that you would give us the ability, you've given us the ability, give us the courage is the better word, to do it. Because on the other side of these trivial pursuits is what our heart longs for to be used of God in Jesus name amen and amen